Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome to Encounter Grace. I'm Jason McKnight, and we're so glad you're joining us today. This is Wednesday, May 11th. We're recording this today and getting it out in the next uh, 24 to 36 hours. And the reason for that is that we have with us Jeff and Robin Owens, who serve the Lord in Moldova, which is next door to Ukraine. And with all that's going on there, when we found out Jeff and Robin were not going to be in Moldova, but we're going to be in eastern North Carolina, we prevailed upon them to come into the studio and say, give us as much of a real time as we can, uh, because all of us in the listening community here at Encounter Grace, we want to... We, we just want to be thinking Christians in the world and be able to bring God's grace. So all of that to say, we're turning this one around a little off the regular schedule, but we want to get folks with uh, up-to-the-date information and feedback and reflections. So Robin, Jeff, thank you for joining us today. It's thank a pleasure. You. Thank you. We're glad you're here. You serve in a small country many people haven't heard of called Moldova. You serve with a group called World Team, and you serve supported by Grace Fellowship and many other churches, and we are so thankful. So let's talk about life in Moldova right now. Okay. (laughs) So what, I mean, before we, you know, set the geographic stage, because I think this is the hardest thing, because, you know, I, I know that it's, you know, 15 minutes to get to Snow Hill. Yeah. But... If I was living in Chisnau, or how do you say it? Chisinau. Chisinau. See, I, I'm only... Kiss you now. Kiss you oh, now. Yeah. Chisinau, <laughs> which is the capital of Moldova. I would not know how long it would take to drive to the border of Ukraine, because you're right next to okay. Ukraine. So yes. tell us about how big is Moldova, how big is Ukraine, how close you are, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, Moldova is part of the former Soviet Union. Okay. Uh, in 1991, when it broke up, there were 6 million people living there. They're now down to about 2 million people. So uh, a lot of people have left the area. But Moldova is a small country sandwiched between Romania to the west Mm -hmm. and Ukraine to the north, the east, and the south. So So it's it's enveloped, really. it, It really is. So the closest border point to Ukraine would be 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, so for you to jump in your car... You're in Ukraine in 45 minutes, but you're in Western Ukraine, and the fighting is in Eastern right. Ukraine. How far away is East? Like, well, I think uh, the Donbass region. I looked it up. I think it's about 350 miles. Miles. Okay. So, so, for us, what the closest point that we're really concerned about is Odessa. That's where we're watching. That is about 100 miles. 100 miles is Odessa, and that's on the coast of the Black Sea of Ukraine. Okay, so we're getting a little bit. So, And Kiev is in the middle Middle, west of the country, middle west. And north, yeah. So it's it's a couple uh, hundred miles from you, 150 miles. Yeah, I haven't really. I know it's it's a good eight-hour drive by the time you cross the borders. (laughs) Eight-hour drive, but not on interstates. Not on. Once you get to Ukraine, it's not too bad. I mean, I spent a a good few years in western Romania. Yeah. Timisoara and Arad, and so 
a lot of um, a lot of two-lane highways. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, anyway. Okay, so February 24th, Russian troops poured over the border. Everyone watched mm -hmm. them amassing on the border of Ukraine, way over to the west, 350 miles from you. But they poured over the border. What is going on in your mind? First of all, were you in Kishinev? Yeah, we were in Kishinev. Kishinev. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's 6.30 in the morning. I'm out walking the dog. And I hear this, whoop, 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 and a, third, and a very unusual sound. And I thought to myself, that almost sounds like artillery. Hmm. Well, and I wasn't the only one that heard it. So I go back in and turn on the TV. And sure enough, it has started. So what we assume is happening is there, we'll talk a little bit about the Transnistria mm -hmm. section of Moldova. Either something was launched or they were just testing some uh, artillery mm. there that morning, but that was a nice little wake up call that wow. all this stuff that they said was coming, it was going to happen, it was going to happen, and we all, nah, that won't happen. That's not going <laughs> to happen. He's just bluffing. Mm. It started. Wow. So, um, you know, the first 24 hours is a certain amount of, of chaos, not panic because we felt ex extremely safe because we thought, well, it's going to take a little bit of time right. even if they make it through uh, Ukraine. But it begins the process, okay, is our contingency uh, plan in place? Is everybody aware what's mm. going on? Uh, we're required by our organization to have that. So, But it was funny. The primary exit route out of Moldova was we were going to fly out. Well, the airspace was closed within the first few hours. So, well, let's forget about that route out right. of the country. But uh, so then we're on the phone very quickly contacting people because we know there are going to be people wanting to leave. Yeah. And so the first 48, well, I guess within 36 hours, we had some people in our home. Um, Ukrainian refugees. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing to see the church and the body of Christ rally to meet the need. Mm. Very quickly, people just instinctively went to the border yeah. and began to welcome people across the border. You mean Moldovans went yeah. to the border to welcome yeah. Ukrainians? Yeah. Wow. Uh, several organizations that you would be familiar with, Crew, you know, what in our day, uh, Campus yeah. Crusade, yep. Uh, Salvation Army actually began to feed people mm. at the border. But I guess within 48 hours, the, the southern uh, border posting between Ukraine and Moldova was backed up over nine miles no, of wow. people. So there was a great amount of panic in those mm -hmm. first, first week, really. Because don't you think everyone expected a world-class army like the Russian army to roll over a smaller neighbor? And that it didn't, did that surprise you? Well, I think it surprised everyone. Okay, good, because it surprised me. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, because initially we're, we're thinking, okay, well, we've got some time before we make a decision. We never expected to look out our window and see Russian tanks no. driving down uh, through the heart of Chisinau. But, uh, you know, you were just, you had to be cautious by this time. I think the first 48 hours we spent as much time on the phone and Zoom with people in the States worried about us. And it's like, no, you know, we're okay. We're fine. We're, we're being prudent. 
But yes, um, I think that has been a great surprise that here we are almost, uh, you know, three months into this and there's very little progress from the Russian perspective. Right. In terms of, in, in ter- yeah, there's a lot of, lot of destruction, yeah. uh, but little progress. Um, what is Putin doing? I mean, and I'm, I'm asking you as like the head of global uh, strategy for no, but like seriously, what when you talk to Moldovans, when you look at different kind of news than we would see here, we're stuck with Fox, yeah. CNN or MSNBC, maybe a little BBC, probably not. And, and Robin will talk here in a minute, but <laughs> this, this is Jeff's opinion. Yeah, good. Now, historically, a lot of what Putin says is correct. I mean, uh, much of this part of the world was under Russian mm. control influence mm-hmm. for a long time. For a long time. You know, Russian Empire. The and Rus then Rus people mm-hmm. came out of Kiev mm-hmm. area in Ukraine in, in around 900. So I think historically there there is some legitimacy to what he says. Historically... And, the, and what it is that he's saying is... That... Ukraine is Russian. Okay, okay. Moldova is Russian. Belarus is Russian. You know, even uh, he did a rally in this new song that they put out that they're going to gather the family together again. And that's Russia, Belarus, Ukraine, and Moldova. Wow. Bring the family together again. Wow. But I, I think a lot of it is over the years he has begun to believe the propaganda We had the the opportunity to live in Russia in 1994 and 95. And uh, talking to people, they said, especially in the Reagan years, they literally feared that America and NATO were going to invade any day. Hmm. We actually saw uh, propaganda posters of American soldiers bayoneting children. And so in, in the Soviet world and, and following into the Russian world, there is this paranoia that the West is going to invade. And historically, they're correct. Right. So I think part of it, Putin wants these, he's even used the term buffer states. Right, sure. So if World War III breaks out, mm-hmm. he wants to do the fighting in Belarus, Ukraine, and Moldova. And not on his soil. Not on Russian soil. Because I, I, most Americans do not begin to understand the depth of suffering that Russia experienced in the Second World War. No, they have no idea. We have no idea. You know, 95% of battles were fought by the Russians, you know, upwards mm-hmm. of, you know, over 20 million people mm-hmm. were killed. And that's civilians. And so... I mean, let that sink in, 20 million. Yeah. They, they have <laughs> suffered terribly. <clears throat> Russians, but yeah. what's Putin doing? Obviously, he has miscalculated. Mm-hmm. In 2014, when he took Crimea, um, that went according to plan. He was very successful mm-hmm. and... Uh, Robin's heard me say he likes to play chess, and he's a world-class chess player, but in this one, he didn't expect the outcome that he's getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's, I mean, nobody expected it, though. No. 
I, and or at least they can't say. Maybe maybe American and British and, and NATO intelligence knew it was as corrupt as people are saying, but we just didn't think of it right. February twenty fourth, and we were all like, "What no. is?" No, this is twentieth you know. century. Nobody's going to twenty first century. Yeah, nobody fights like this anymore. Yeah. Nobody handles yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what? Tell us a little bit about um, uh, President Zelensky, which is the Ukrainian president. Uh, is he really a Nazi? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But I, I, obviously, he, he's a great communicator, uh, a great leader. I don't know how much play it's gotten in the West that he has outlawed his three primary political parties mm. and jailed some of them prior to the war uh, or during the war. You know, the, I, I don't know the time. Frame, yeah, sure, honesty, sure. But. Uh, you know, wharf setting, he's saying, I need to take these steps. So, um, you know, you, I think the one difference, we do hear a little bit more about alleged Ukrainian atrocities since 2014 in the Donbass. Hmm. Uh, there was a, a lot of play here about the missile that landed at the train station that said, for the children. Hmm. Well, but in our part of the world, it was written on that because it was payback for all the children that had been killed in the Donbass region uh. by Ukrainian soldiers. Mm. So it's, I think this has been the most interesting part of this war is the war in the media mm-hmm. and the information war yeah. and who do you believe, who do you not believe, and so. And and um, who do you believe, who do you not believe? But but in any event, at any time, there's not good guys and bad guys. You know, Solzhenitsyn is right. The line dividing good and evil runs through every heart. Yes. And so the Zelensky, we may be on his side on one level because like, yeah. well, a neighbor country shouldn't invade. Right. But on the same time, it doesn't mean we think he's done everything right or will right. do everything right or right. whatever, you know. Yeah. But it's hard because in, the, in our current milieu here, yeah. you kind of have to put people, good guys or bad guys, if you're going to get by in the world and you line up that way and then we just become tribes and it's a disaster. So... You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we don't want anyone attacked, but well, let's, you know, we, we, we and the enemy of my enemy is my friend rooting for the Ukrainians. You know, our, our yeah. heart bleeds for the people that we're talking to, you know, yeah, even yeah. sitting in our homes that have husbands and sons that mm. are fighting. Uh, some pe- I think most people are aware that if you're a Ukrainian male between the ages of 18 and 60, you can't leave the country. Yeah, you can't. You, you're fighting. You are required to either fight or perform mm-hmm. some type of role. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and and I, I mean, if your country's under attack, I think that's what, I mean, that's what you got to do. Yeah. You know, uh, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about the people then you are meeting. Tell us yeah. some of how God is working through the church in Moldova, the, the people of God there, how, you know, you've seen him bring care and help and Christ. and The first thing we saw in social media was <clears throat> gathering groups together. There's a Russian mm. version and an English version of we have space or we have two people that just crossed and they need this or a mom, granddad, and son, and they need a place to stay. Can you house three? Mm. So people were responding. Trans- people were being transports back and forth to get people situated. Uh, We have a team of seven. We're all in apartments, but we're in the capital city. Mm. 
So we'd say, yes, now when we had people in our home, we're in a two-bedroom apartment, and the second bedroom is Jeff's office. Mm. So we have a sleeper sofa in the den and trundle, trundle mattress on the other's bed, and we're together. Yeah. This yeah. isn't a five bedroom house <laughs> with three bed- bathrooms. We shower, you know, we don't shower together, but, but we share. But you're all shower. in the same We're boat. All in the same. But they come in kind of stunned. It's like mm. you got you just don't think about walking in a stranger's house that you don't know and they're going to feed you and put you to bed and give you time to space to think to just gather your thoughts to realize what happened and what do I do next. Mm. Um, we had one family that father was with mom and the two boys. The oldest son was, had autism, and the father was allowed to leave with them. Mm. The other women came by themselves with their children. So, it you know, one mom was really together. She was on the phone constantly, and the next day, within 12 hours, she was out and gone and mm. texted us back to let us know she ended up in Poland. Mm. And... Um, then another mom stayed five days and was just, I don't know what I'm going to do. My husband's on a ship. He right. was not fighting, but she and her daughter were out. Um, mm. So, you know, and they're coming with one suitcase. And when you right. see them coming across the borders with kids hanging off of them, um, needing strollers, needing everything. I mean, they're asking for underwear. Yeah. It's, forget the mask. That yeah. was the best thing that happened. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> no COVID. You're not even worried about that. There was something that Robin uh, said. She had a couple of things that have really impacted what we've done. Um, you know, it's not new, but Robin realized and said, you know, what you want to do for the many, you do for the few. Oh, so we very great. quickly said, okay. Um, it was very obvious the first day we're calling camps and trying to arrange spaces for people to stay. And we were walking over the top of each other. So we quickly decided, hey, we're going to let some other people do that. We're just going to open up our home. And then we realized, don't let the interruption spoil the opportunity. Hmm. Because as everyone that came into our house was not a believer. And so we were given the opportunity. I want to restate that everyone that came was not a believer. That okay. stress was just different. None of them were believers. Yeah, yeah. none and of them. So an opportunity, we welcomed them. And we had incredible conversations with two or three mm. of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. And night, two nights in a row, were, were, I mean, we, and we go back to Abraham. Why Jesus? You know, yeah. Because they say, what are you doing here? You're Americans. Right. Everybody wants to go to the U.S. Right. Why are you here? Yeah. And we could share why we were there. So that, that was the exciting part. And so you have to look, what is God doing in this? And, well, part of it, there, there's a huge opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to have people coming across the border and being fed. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then you hope you have the opportunity to feed spiritually. Now. You know, nobody that we shared the gospel with accepted Christ, but we're sowing seeds. Sowing and, seeds and on the and, journey. And, on the journey. you know, it gives them an opportunity to, to spread it broadly. So uh, we stayed in contact with two or three of the families. So we, within the first two weeks, had a total of 13 people 
in our home anywhere from one night to five nights. Um, then the rest of our team of, of three couples and one single, you know, probably at this point have hosted a little over 60 people. Wow. Then we saw how the churches rallied. Their classrooms were turned into bunk rooms. Right. And summer camps were welcoming people. It's just that they had screens on the windows and no blankets. So then people were rallying to get supplies mm -hmm. so that they could house people. Mm -hmm. um, and we eventually adopted a village because it was like so many people, how, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And these two small villages, 10 kilometers outside of town, not very far. Not too far. There were a total of 15 moms and 24 children. Hmm. And so we rallied to get produce and toiletries and things that they might need. And we hosted a Easter meal hmm. and then a meal after Easter for some of the kids. And just to, again, trying to develop a relationship with them. Yeah. Because they don't know how long they're going to be in Moldova. Part of the reason they're staying in Moldova is these people want to go back home. Right. Now, for right. a lot of people, hey, this is my ticket into the EU. Yeah, right. Okay, and so that's a positive. And, and a lot of them want to get even further away, especially some of the families that we dealt with uh, came from places like Mariupol. European, mm. where they had seen the real carnage of right, war. Right. And they were fearful, well, what happened in Ukraine eventually is going to happen mm -hmm. in Moldova. Yeah. So they wanted to get as far away as they could be. And mm. so, um, you know, again, but that has been this, this great opportunity to realize, wow, God is bringing people mm. to us and we just want to, to serve them. Mm -hmm. We heard a phrase, um, one missionary said, the Moldovan church had become a giving church. They were always a receiving church through mm. the years of ministry. Wow, yes. Needing so much training, needing so much encouragement and opportunity to, to see you can serve. Lead yourself, lead your family, lead your community type mm. of things. And but we saw it. We saw them yeah. step up, and we're like, this is awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like launching your, your baby. <laughs> Not that they were all our projects, but you saw them doing God's work. And praise the Lord. It was just yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. That has been um, a, a great thing thus far. It's just to watch yeah. how the, the church has connected with one another. You know, they, I mean, so sophisticated in setting up uh, WhatsApp pages or Telegram, they, you know, they set up within about five days a call center where as people are coming across the border and be driven in, hey, I've got a family of three, a grandmother and, and blah, 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 and, and it goes out on the board who can host them. And, you know, people, Moldova is the smallest country that people are escaping to. Mm. And per capita... Moldova is hosting the largest percentage of refugees of any of the other European countries. Now, obviously, more people have gone into Poland. Sure, but per but, capita. But per capita, mm -hmm. Poland's a huge um, mm -hmm. country. And it, when I was speaking in Tennessee, I, I gave this analogy, and it really helped put things in perspective. There are 5 million Ukrainians that have left Ukraine. 
all told, there is roughly 11 million total that are displaced, hmm. that are no longer living in their home. Wow. Now, take that. The population of North Carolina is a little over 10 million. So if you can imagine every single man, woman, and child in North Carolina having to leave wow. their homes. That's crazy. That, that really <laughs> is. To me, that helped put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, praise God, certain fa- are starting to come back in, mm. especially into Kiev and right. the north. Uh, a couple of the families that, that we worked with were from the Odessa area. Some yep. of them are, are uh, going back to Odessa, but they understand that it's, it's a short trip back to Moldova if they need to get out. Right. The, the most exciting thing that you said is that here is the church in Moldova yes. and now reaching out and pouring out and allowing God to use them. So for all the receiving they've done for the years, yeah. now they're just pouring out and, um, and stepping up in ways none of us could have right. imagined. Right. And it's, it's in things like that that God, you know, Romans 8, 28 really is word that it works for the good of those who love him and and we're not wishing bad on anything but god's never at a loss to bring other things out of uh human disasters (laughs) and and that now moldova is the church in moldova has a confidence in and a trust in god that they didn't have before because they've relied on him to perform exceeding abundantly and they're working together. And they're working together. It's just amazing. I mean, that must bring you such joy, if I can say that without, yeah, you no, know, it, it I mean, is. The, the horror. And then even a lot of families, you know, that are, mm. we, we were mm. even in contact with one of the churches that we'd spent well, about seven years with. Said, hey, you know, we have some excess fun. How can we help? And uh, Dima said, no, we want to do this ourselves. Mm. We think we've got it. Because they wanted their own people to invest in others that that's always been and you may have seen this back in Romania in your days uh, and it was actually a Ukrainian pastor had said to me one time he said we are a people who don't know how to invest hmm. in others because no one has ever invested in them hmm. so from a perspective of mentoring discipling yeah, you yeah, know, and and now you're watching the church grow up. So that has been that's wow. a good pickup. That, that has is been a great, great, great part. Well, a lot of friends of mine say happiness is a byproduct of love and service to others. Okay, yes. and you know every kid in the world needs to n- learn that learn because that. we all know that for you. <laughs> when you when you give out, yeah. your life goes better. Well, listen, you all. I know you're busy. I know you have other things going on, but you have given us a glimpse into the life uh, that God is bringing in a very um, difficult situation, a place of death, but that he is actually inviting people to hear the gospel in your living room, maybe for the first time, and then through others, because those conversations are replicated. Mm -hmm. He's causing his church to stand up. He's bringing surprises inside the country of Ukraine that, you know, and and it's it's just great. Thank you for sharing with us. Our pleasure. Uh, it's a joy to be partnering together. You know, we couldn't do this on our own. Uh, we are the ones that just happen to be out on the front. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Robin had had we uh, our prayer letter is called Owen's Outpost, and mm-hmm. an outpost is stationed 
apart serving mm. together. Oh, that's great. And, and I've always loved that, that imagery. So we can only be there because of people like Grace, pray, mm. primarily praying for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. And we aren't doing anything that you wouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, feeding and cleaning and mm. washing and serving and praying for yep. yeah. and that's right. welcoming. That's yeah. That's what, and come, you know, come and see Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Oh, thank you so much. Well, what a joy, and um, I can't wait for uh, everyone as we publish this today or tomorrow uh, to be able to get this glimpse and and fall in love with Jesus again at what he's doing, even in a hard place. Jeff, Robin, thank you so much. I know you're busy, and we love that you're here. And everybody, thank you for joining us. It's just always so good to be together with folks like the Owenses, and uh, we'll see you the next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.